In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who, was, who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at his rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left out for their own country by another road. The word of God for the world. Our translation today uh, has the word homage instead of worship. But we find that there are two words used in the scripture. One is to, to fall down, which uh, suggests kneeling. And the other is, is the word one to worship. And the, the word there is, is like, like our word to prostrate, to prostrate yourself, fully fall down before the one that you're giving homage to. In our church, the word worship is primary, and the act of worship is primary, though it's on the bottom of the list on the front of your bulletin there. It's there alphabetically, you see. Worship has been defined as to show forth worthship, worthship, or worthiness of God in whom we believe, in whom we love, and whom we serve. The Magi worshipped. They saw in all this phenomenon in the heavens. Uh, scientists, uh, as uh, uh, others who've studied this, the skies, have uh, uh, come up with an idea that there was a conjunction of Venus and uh, and uh, uh, Jupiter and the uh, uh, the star Regulus. Well, I, d I don't know about that, but you can go to Google it and the star Bethlehem. It'll give you all the details about that. But whatever they saw was like our falling down as I, I was on the top of a, when they were building the uh, it, it was the Pan Am building at that time over Park Avenue, 
And I just had to go up there. They were still building it. I went up and got off the elevator at the top and went out to the edge. And I looked over, and there were the big turbines for the air conditioning and all of that. And no rail. I had to fall down and crawl back (laughs) to the elevator. I'm so afraid of heights. I can remember working with scouts and usually they had no idea what reverence means. A scout is reverent. So I try to explain to them, and you bring up words like awe, wonder, certainly those of you who have been to the Grand Canyon and looked down. It was more like the kid who said, golly, what a gully. And those who were out on a ship at night and saw a liftoff at Cape Kennedy and they had no words to say when they saw that go off. We've experienced that. And so, as, as we say in scripture so often, there's a, a, a holy fear, awe, wonder, And that's what we should experience when we come into the presence of God and want to do something like take off the shoes of our feet, on our feet, and bow down and prepare and come before him. In Isaiah 60, the light is more than just a a great light in the heavens. Uh, or some kind of something that comes, or glory that comes to Israel and to the, the house of God in Jerusalem. But rather, it is the light that comes to the whole world, not just a mere sign. It is the light of Jesus. Providence Church began when wise women and men saw a great light of providing authentic worship. In Hendersonville, these beginners set out on a journey of faith that often meets here. But look at 7th Avenue worship meal and other occasions when we come together, when we're just in the presence of someone to serve. That's worship too. Wherever we're gathered, we are part of a worship experience. Others have seen the light and joined the journey that is this church. They've joined in a church created in the imagination of the Holy Spirit. Wherever we are, we're church. And as Madison said last Sunday, we can provide chicken and beverages. But preparation is needed for worship. The wise men organized a caravan with their attendants, bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do we bring? We prepare our gifts, not like those, but out of our treasures. They may be our talents, like Karen Jackson sharing this wonderful music and and pointing to a, a, a place that's special, awesome, full of wonder where we can meet our Christ, our Savior. We do want to bring 
the best we have. That's why sometimes we dress up a little fancy. I can remember one time I I made sure I had clean underwear when I went to church. (laughs) You know, that sort of thing. If you do that for your doctor, (laughs) well, (laughs) okay. (laughs) If, and as we prepare, think of our young people uh, trying to get their children together and, and, and get them dressed and get here. Those of us who are older, trying to find a parking place or, get, or maneuver the stairs and the doors and the ramp. And all of us have make an effort to be here. A, the pastor of a Methodist church just north of Raleigh asked an elderly gentleman, said, Joe, why do you come here every Sunday? You, you can hardly see, you don't sing, you, don't, uh, you can hardly hear a word I say. Why are you here? And he said, Preacher, I've come because I want other people to know whose side I'm on. <laughs> I hope that we come with more than that, not just to, for others to see us or to where we stand, but that we come truly preparing for something to happen. Worship is both a feeling and a happening. It's concrete and spiritual. It's all together. And as we prepare uh, to come, we, we come. Baptists have to come with their Bibles. Uh, we can't worship without Scripture. Have you read your Sunday school lesson? Have you, have you prepared as we come? And preparation of our souls to avoid distractions, to worship God with integrity, we say, spiritually and honestly. Like the wise men, we face roadblocks along the way. Herod. Herod, I see, is symbolic or maybe an allegory for the world and how the world will hold us back and distract us and keep us from really focusing on the God we love and want to serve, the world. Notice that when they arrived and told Herod that they had come to worship the new, the born king, Herod was not a born king. He he became king through grasping and pushing and, and uh, pushing others out and warfare and all that. But here we were announced that there was someone born into royalty who comes about it peacefully and as uh, we found in the, the scripture in Matthew, who will shepherd his people, who will be kind and lead people. The problem with the world is we have so many leaders who have no intentions of being a shepherd leader. But they want to rule with a hard uh, iron fist and for themselves. Now cleverly, Herod called together the scholars to find out what the Bible says. And they told him that the king would be born in Bethlehem. It's It's Herod that says that the king is the Messiah. He's terrified of the Messiah. 
He didn't want someone to come and take his place. He was not ready. He was not prepared. He did not want the Messiah to come during his reign. He only had a couple of years himself to live. He was threatened all around by those who might overthrow him. And here he wanted to do something. And he, wanted, he tried to involve the Magi in a plot to kill Jesus. He said, come back when you have found him and tell me where I may found him. And then he gives one of the greatest lies in history that I too may come and worship him. His way of worshiping would be to kill the baby Jesus. The world certainly does not want the Messiah to come back again. We live in a world that wants to crowd out Christmas, crowd out, crowd out the Christ of Christmas, or at least ignore him. And we may be a part of that too. Indeed, there will come a time after Lent or during Lent when we think about a world bent on killing Jesus. And when we face the fact we are part of that too. And that's why we come to ask forgiveness and to seek mercy and to have our sins washed away. But the coming of his son, God's son, God sent, really, he, he didn't intend to save the world just with a baby, if you follow my thinking. He sent a beginning, a son who would grow and become a full human being who could share all the aspirations and awe and joy and everything that a true human being, male or female, young and old, a child experiences that too, of the, the spiritual essence of it. But God sent Jesus, and at the beginning of this new year, this is a good time to think about Jesus growing and teaching and healing and building his church. All of that leading up to dying on a cross to take away our sins. When the Magi got away from Herod, they were happy. And, and on their way, the five miles to Bethlehem, they saw the star again. And this is the way I look at it, is that they saw the star in the east. And then they went west, leaving the star in the east. But now they see the star at its rising again. And they rejoice. And when it and here it leads them. It had not been leading them to Jerusalem, but now it leads them to Bethlehem. And there when it stops, it said that they were they they rejoiced, they were filled with great rejoicing. They were worshiping there. Joy, full joy, as they saw it over the house. Notice it says house. They weren't in the stable any longer. They were in the house. And there they find 
Jesus and Mary. On your stamps, the government puts out, they, they always have a one of the mother and child, Mary and Jesus. And there, as the King James Version says, they fall down, they fell down and worshipped him. We rejoice at signs we see that we are on the right road to worship. Maybe it's the sight of a friend. Maybe it's in service to others. Maybe it's the quality of music that we appreciate Robert and Annette providing us here and others. Maybe it's flower arrangements, the art, the colors of paraments in the liturgical seasons, well-read scripture, anointed preaching. We are people of words and the word. And above all, we experience worship in silence, in silence. And before the simplicity of a wooden cross, we're reminded how small we are and how enormous is the love of God for all the world. The food of bread and juice we're about to partake points to the giving of his body and blood for us. And it also reminds us of a future meal, a heavenly banquet for all humanity living together in peace. Yes, the Magi took a different way home. And surely we go home hoping to be changed people. We might leave, however, like the Holy Family had to leave as refugees from Bethlehem. Are we not spiritual aliens in a material world with dangers ahead, bad things happening to good people? There may be a massacre up the road, migrations, deprivations, depressions, but our leader, Jesus, says to us, I will not leave you alone. I will not desert you. Be not afraid. I have overcome the world. When we give him worth, he gives us eternal worth. And in closing Words that we often hear at a Lord's Supper. Draw near with faith and take this holy food to your comfort. Worship God in spirit and in truth.